BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Welcome this time to the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Friday, March 31st, 2023, just a few days before Chicago's mayoral election, which we've been talking about obsessively on this show, but we're not going to talk about that today. Uh, I could talk about the pending apocalypse as I sit here o- out looking out of my window overlooking the lovely alley on the north side of Chicago. Uh, I see the cloud. I see clouds gathering. It's darkening. Uh, the storm is supposed to be here any moment now with howling winds and hail. <laughs> That's Chicago's punishment for even thinking it's going to like Paul Vallis as its mayor. Hi, I know what we'll do. We'll elect a MAGA man as our mayor. That's the collective voice of Chicago Northside voters. Yeah, let's vote for a MAGA man. Oh, come on, Chicago voters. You got to be better than that. Anyway, <laughs> I hope we get through this show without the apocalypse uh, destroying us. The other apocalypse, of course, is a political one that we were talking about. Uh, and it's just summarized by this headline in the today's Chicago Sun-Times. Trump indicted. <laughs> I love it, man. The Sun-Times, they had to drag themselves away from the mayor's race to put Trump indicted on the front page. Chicago, you're so parochial in your view. You're always like, well, is that is there a local angle to this? I'm trying to see. Are any of the prosecutors from Chicago or any of the defense lawyers from Chicago? Chicago is always trying to find itself relevant, make itself relevant. Like, whatever Chicago, can we get a Chicago angle? on the Trump indictment. Otherwise, Chicagoans won't care about it because all they care about is Chicago. Chicagoans, I'm just telling you this right there, they treat you like you're idiots. I'm just saying, they treat you like you're idiots. And then you kind of feed that when they, when they, with who you elect for your mayor. Just saying, Chicago. Anyway, I um, there's so many uh, avenues uh, to discuss uh, on this matter, but I'm just going to pick one to get us started. Uh, then I'll ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. Uh, amidst the flurry of articles that um, followed the announcement that Trump was going to be uh, was indicted or and will be officially indicted on Tuesday, was an article uh, <laughs> out of Florida. 
Governor DeSantis announced that he won't extradite Trump. I'm like, dude, who asked you? We, <laughs> what a pathetic attempt to appear relevant. Nobody cares about you anymore, okay? <laughs> You're so yesterday's news. You are like the mature Republican that the Republicans could nominate as a substitute Donald Trump as they pretended the Donald Trump era never happened. You know what I'm saying? That was that was the great strategy. I remember in the after the disaster of November, all the great minds of the Republican Party, the smartest people they have in their field, which is quite a thought, the smartest Republicans, got together and said, we must distance ourselves from the man we will not name because we're so afraid of naming him by the MAGA outcry. We're just going to pretend he doesn't exist. And we'll rally around Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Well, that's really working out well, guys, huh? Here we are. Uh, what is it? Uh, the end of March. Donald Trump's been indicted in New York City, and his standing in the polls has risen so high that Ron DeSantis, to be relevant, has to announce that not only is he supporting Donald Trump uh, in his criminal endeavor, not only is he going to denounce Alvin Braggs, the criminal uh, prosecutor in New York who's prosecuting Trump, but he won't extradite Trump. <laughs> and you know what's funny? This is the same Ron DeSantis. Just follow me, this ladies and gentlemen. He was flying airplanes down to Texas, picking up immigrants in Texas, lying to them, saying, come to Florida. We're going to get you jobs. Flew him to Florida, then flew him to New Hampshire. Oh, no, Martha's Vineyard. Remember that? Remember, remember that attempt to be relevant? He was like, Hmm, there's a crisis at the border that MAGA's upset about. That's doing wonders for uh, Abbott, the governor of Texas. How can I squeeze some something out of this? I know what I'll do. I'll extradite migrants to Florida and then extradite them to Martha's Vineyard. But I am not going to extradite Trump. Hmm. What a profile and courage Ron DeSantis is, Republicans. Heck of a rogues lineup. <laughs> You got to run uh, uh, for president. Is Sarah Palin available? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest who's been long absent from the show because he's been busy doing other far more important things. But uh, he was um, very gracious to agree to come on the show on quick notice because I had to talk uh, uh, politics with him in the light of Trump's indictment. So without further ado, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be back from uh, paternity leave here. Um, you know, the Ben Jarofsky show has very generous paternity leave policies, folks. I didn't <laughs> that. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> uh, I am too easy on these guys, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sure. Take as much time as you want. Yeah. All salary, you know, months long absence. <laughs> totally fine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm David Jarofsky. <laughs> Political science, Roosevelt University, the author of It's Time to Fight Dirty, and the kids are all left, columnist at Newsweek in the week, and Slate, I think, I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk Trump indictment. Um, and uh, they, yeah, the thing about how he won't extradite Trump, um, yeah. I'm like, what do you think you are, the Cayman Islands? You know, like... <laughs> Like federal, you know, like no one needs your permission to go extradite Donald Trump. You know, it's it's insane. It's uh, it reminds me of the Idaho Republicans are trying to prevent people from leaving Idaho to get an abortion. And like, folks, that's not how the compact between the states works. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we don't have internal borders in America, so I don't know what you're trying to do here, but it's not going to work. Uh, 
Before we leave, uh, we were long as we're with uh, DeSantis uh, and uh, the, the Republican Party in, in the light of this. Um, your thoughts about this? Like, does Donald Trump want DeSantis to be the beneficiary of an extradition fight? In other words, if DeSantis is offered uh, to block Trump's extradition to New York, uh, and I've seen experts say it doesn't matter, it's it would happen anyway. Although, uh, listen, I could see, I could see the resistance, David. I could see it. I could actually visualize Donald Trump telling DeSantis, "I don't want, I don't want to be extradited. I'm going to stay in Mar-a-Lago." And then I could see that fight, which would, wow, what a fight that would be. Um, but do you think Donald Trump wants that? Because that would really elevate DeSantis' stature to a certain degree. Uh, your thoughts on the political and your wheeling and dealing there. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is a classic Trump maneuver where, you know, he either convinces someone or forces someone, um, to do what he wants, um, to take a big risk for him. Um, and in the end, he's just, he's just going to stab him in the back anyway. <laughs> like, like Ron DeSantis is going to make a big show about not extraditing Donald Trump. Um, and then, and, it's not going to work. And then five days later, Trump will be like, yeah, you know, like Ron DeSanctimonious couldn't even, you know, keep me in Florida. You know, he's weak, he's a weak little man, with <laughs> tiny hands. Um, <laughs> he's, gonna, he's just going to eviscerate him, you know, because that's what he does. Uh, anybody that tries to show any loyalty or, or kindness to Donald Trump, um, you know, ends up uh, holding the bag, uh, sometimes literally. And um, I, I don't know what DeSantis is doing. I mean, he's sinking in the polls. Um, it, this is the most fascinating, you know, head-to-head polling situation I've seen in a long time because you've got Trump, who has said he's running for president, and then you have Ron DeSantis, who it's it's almost April here, and he's not he hasn't made an announcement, right? Like he doesn't, to the best of our knowledge, doesn't have a team in place, um, and he's watching his poll numbers dip um, as soon as Trump made like the mildest insult at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, this feels like an eternity ago, but he, but Trump posted a, um, uh, an attack on Florida on his weird social media website where he was like, Florida is the least affordable place to live in the country and 39th in education. It's, and it's like in the back of your mind, you're like, you also live there, ding dong. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trump's like, Florida, what a terrible place. What a terrible <laughs> place to live. Ron DeSantis, terrible governor. Come to my Florida estate, Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> you know, it's just the two of these guys. It's just unbelievable. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't think DeSantis is going to be able to make much out of this, right? Because um, he he is already in this like low level war with with Trump. I, I don't know what his plan is. Like, if he's going to get put together a ragtag militia of like people in like tank tops and flip flops and and like Tampa Bay Rays jerseys or whatever to to defend. <laughs> I think Trump's going to just show up in court, right? Or he's going to go on my video. Like this, this isn't even a thing. Um, but Ron DeSantis has picked this up from Trump where you make a, a like a theatrical performance. Uh, you're not governing. You're not doing anything realistic. Uh, the pronouncements that you're making are deranged. Um, but it's all for show. It's all for politics. And um, I think DeSantis can read a poll as much as anybody. And he's he has to get on the good side of MAGA if he wants to win this nomination. Um, so on the one hand, he's like, you won't extradite him. On the other hand, he's hoping, I'm sure that this does Trump in for good. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> well, we've all, we've seen how that turns out every time. 
we think Trump is done in for good. So, all right. So, um, I could go a couple place ways uh, with this conversation. I get into the uh, alleged crime itself, uh, which is, is truly one of my favorite scandals. Uh, paying off a uh, porn star to to silence her on the eve of a presidential election. Uh, and then using his uh, fixer lawyer, Michael Cohen, uh, to handle the uh, the dirty details and then paying him off <laughs> when it's all over, paying him back, I should say, when it's all over. So it's like fraud, uh, ultimately. It's a business fraud. Uh, but... Let's just talk about um, the extreme loyalty of MAGA to Trump at this moment. Uh, I, I need some help here in understanding this. Uh, it's, it comes on dis- full display from time to time, generally when Trump uh, is caught red-handed doing something wrong or unforgivable. In this case, there's so many unforgivable things that he's done, starting with having the affair, the one-night affair with Stormy Daniels soon after his wife gave birth. Uh, Melania and I like to point out that Stormy's recollection of that one-night affair was, quote, the worst 90 seconds of my life, end of quote. (laughs) I'm just telling you, (laughs) this is the man you elected president of the United States. And I was complaining about Chicagoans getting ready to elect Vallis. so, why? What is it? Help me, help me, uh, David. The extreme loyalty of MAGA to Trump, no matter what he does. What's going on here? At this point, it, it really is an almost unresolvable mystery. What what anyone sees in Donald Trump, you know what I mean? Um, and there was a point where it felt like the base was breaking away from him a little bit. I mean, if you if you look at polls, it, it seems like there's a significant share of Republican primary voters who would prefer to see someone else run for president. Right. Um, and I think the problem is that Trump commands such a an enormous platform. Uh, all he has to do is step outside of his house um, and, and just be like, and he gets like you know, <laughs> headlines in every newspaper in the world. Um, it's I think it's just hard to move on from someone like that. You know, um, and, you know, he's a, <laughs> he doesn't do it for me, you know what I mean? But he has a certain kind of weird charisma, right? Like, um, I don't know if you saw this clip the other day. I, I almost died laughing. He was talking about his accomplishments as president. And he was like, to the great farmers of America, um, you know, you, you, uh, we made you rich again. It was great. And uh, we passed, we repealed the death tax so that you, if you, uh, you can leave your great, far- like when you depart this beautiful earth, you can leave your farms to your, fi- to your children. And he's like, that's if you love your children, you know, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> some people, justifiably so, don't love their children. And then you don't have to, you don't have to leave your farms to your children if you don't love them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's like okay sorry eric and tiffany i guess (laughs) he's sort of getting at that that was obviously aimed at you um (laughs) but uh yeah he's just he's everywhere right he's everywhere he's the only person who's announced that he's running um the only i mean always the only person who seriously has a shot at being (laughs) sorry nikki haley um and uh and so it's it's just i think anytime there's a, a move against Trump legally or, uh, you know, during the, the Mueller report, the, you know, when he was acquitted 
in the first impeachment, um, they rallied around him. You know, it's, it does seem like every time he is caught doing something terrible, um, instead of moving off of him, they move closer to him. Uh, you remember the Stormy Daniel stuff is around the same time that the Access Hollywood tape comes out. Oh, yeah, it was right afterwards. So it's like, yeah. um, I don't know what they were so worried about with this story, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like they've got him on tape saying that he wants to, you know, this is a family program, right? But yeah, you could say it. Right. He said, I'm going to go grab women. I love grab women by their pussy. And America elected this guy. Right. Um, And it's people knew he was a philanderer. People knew that he had run around on everyone that he was married to. Um, And so ultimately, like the the decision to to pay out this money is actually pretty dumb, I think, politically, because I don't think it really would have cost him anything anyway. But um, that's not to spend. Please don't misinterpret me. Okay, this this man is gross. A gross man he did a gross thing, um, but uh, I think by by mid October of 2016, you know that was that that brief flurry um, after the tape came out of Republicans being like, "Fuck, you know, I can't, I can't get behind this guy." Remember who was it that? Uh, uh, it's, it was only eight years ago, and I can't remember the names of these like trolls who ran who ran the Republican caucus in, con- in Congress, but um, I think it was Matt. Chaffetz, Josh. Anyway, he was like, I can't look my daughter in the eye and tell him I'm voter and tell her I'm voting for Donald Trump. <laughs> and three weeks later, he just completely caved, you know. Um, and that's that's the pattern here, right? Just learn the new information. You're like, wow, that's disgusting. What a disgusting person. And then you look at the polls and you're like, you know, man, we could I, we could still win this thing. Um, and then you sell your soul. And so um, the voters, I, I actually at this point. I understand the voters a little bit more than I do the behavior of the Republican elites. You know, the voters remember the Trump years fondly, right? Like the, the base voters are like, wait, you know, we, we got jobs, you know, we own the libs every day. You know, how, you know, you've, you've, I've never talked to like a, a real Trump voter at length, but they're always like, you know, I wish you'd like be a little bit quieter on Twitter. Yeah. But, they say know. that. Yeah. I was like, I wish he would stop with the, you know, crimes and stuff but but you know fundamentally he did what we wanted him to do right like he cut the taxes he got the zealots on the supreme court um you know it was a good time we're having a good time until covid hit you know um and so they like you know they like him like they thought he did a good job as president um and so in spite of all of these recurrent scandals and um accusations of wrongdoing i think if you're a trump voter and you can you can rationalize these things it all just um, it all just turns into this like stew of, of what they see as false accusations, right? Like to them, the Dems, you know, the deep state uh, have been after Trump from the get go. You remember in the in the right wing narrative, right? Like RussiaGate was a hoax perpetrated by like the CIA and the Clinton campaign, um, and it destroyed his presidency. Remember when they used to say that Trump should be able to get a third term because Democrats ruined his first term? Yeah, um, this is all. <laughs> it's not They're still world. saying it. <laughs> it will feel like a third term if he gets elected in twenty five. It will actually feel like a third term because the dude just like never went away. Um, you know, like when you lose a presidential election, you're supposed to go bye bye. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to at most to take a you know take a post in somebody's cabinet later, um, but you're not supposed to just stick around and hog the news for another four years. Uh, that's exactly what he's done. So the voters, I actually, I, I, I understand on a certain level. Um, 
And I think even they also on a certain level understand that he's probably a weaker general election candidate than, than DeSantis or, or, you know, some other generic Republican. Um, I'm not sure what a generic store brand Republican actually looks like anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. But um, I think they understand that he's not the best candidate. Um, and yet, nevertheless, they have this loyalty towards him. What I, what I don't understand is like uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, responding to this news by, by saying, you know, this is a terrible attack on democracy and the rule of law. And, um, all these Republicans who know better talking about how we're a banana republic and um, this is the kind of thing you see in third world dictatorships. And this is, you know, Don, Don Jr. <laughs> it's like this, this, this puts Mao and Pol Pot to shame. And I'm like, they committed genocide, killed millions of people. Like there's just this, he's facing like a very, <laughs> like get a grip, you know what I mean? Um, and so this, the, the rhetoric is just out of control. And they, they, I understand why Don Jr. can't, can't move away from <laughs> his dad. But I don't understand why these other Republican elites can't do what, like, just Mitch McConnell is doing, which is just like, not saying anything. You know, like, Mitch McConnell hates Trump. Um, but I have no sympathy for any of them because they had their chance to get rid of him forever and they didn't take it. They just produced seven more votes in the U.S. Senate to convict him after January 6th and, and the Senate. He would, he would have been barred from holding public office and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be here. Um, he wouldn't. Like he, he might still be prosecuted, right? But behind the prosecution, there would not be this threat of like running from jail and becoming president from jail <laughs> and exacting his retribution, right? That's that's his that's his campaign at this point. It's just retribution. America, I am your retribution. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know, I um, uh, it's everything about the way Trump's responded uh, to this is such a contradiction. So I was just thinking about this where you were in that riff and Trump's persona, which he's very proud of as a philanderer, a guy who plays around. That That's his brand. That's who he, like, that's the image he cultivated as he became a national figure in the 80s, in the 90s, and into the O's. Uh, that's Donald Trump bragging on the Howard Stern show. That's That's who he is. And... So here we have him denying the one night affair because it never happened. And I'm like, why are you denying? I, it just makes no sense. Why would you deny it? And then you, you force all your Republican acolytes to say he, it never happened. And I'm like, I don't get it. It's like, it's, I hate to say that uh, Republicans, Donald Trump Jr. Donald, it's kind of woke. I'm just saying it's kind of woke behavior. I'm like, you know, it's like, you should be proud of what you did. That's who you are. That's what you do. And it's your brand. And then he tries to have it. It's really weird, uh, David. He tries to have it both ways. And I don't know if you saw uh, his, his speech in uh, uh, Waco, Texas, last week, where he said, they've accused me of, uh, of uh, having this affair and I can't do justice to the brilliance of the ref. And then he goes, he goes, a horse face. She's not my type. If there was going to be a one, she would not be the one. And then it's like his brain realizes, what did I just say? Oh, yeah. Oh, but there wouldn't be one because it's the beautiful first lady, Melania. 
how anyone could listen to that and go, that's my guy. <laughs> Damn, man. Oh, man. I know. I, just to, just take a second for Melania. Melania has to be just like, Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> like, do I ever have to... Can you... <laughs> Can you imagine getting cheated on and then it being like front page headlines for like, you know, eight years after that? Right. Um, eight years. It's 15. No, wait, let me do the math. It is 17 years. It's been 17 years. That's when the worst 90 seconds of Stormy Daniels life occurred. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the other thing is like, you can deny that it happened or you can pay out the six figure NDA silence money, but you can't really say it didn't happen. And also I paid her off. <laughs> like that doesn't really add up. So uh, yeah, no. uh, apparently you could say absolutely anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, I mean, I, I watched last night. I may, I talked about this earlier uh, on a different show. Uh, I was so, uh, felt such a compulsion to uh, get information about this that I did something I have never done before, David. Uh, this is a, a confession here. I have never, I know this is going to astound you, watched MSNBC, except for on election nights. Like I've watched it on election nights just to get the results coming in. So I've never watched MSNBC for a long time. I didn't have cable. And for a long, I'm just so immersed in politics. I'm like, I, I don't need to watch anymore. But I'm like, oh, this is breaking news. I need to know. Uh, and I'm watching their talking heads, and they're all so serious. And this is a serious moment uh, for our country. And uh, this is just the first president ever been indicted. And, you know, he's, he's, he's entitled to the best defense and we hope he gets the best lawyers and he's innocent till proven guilty. And this is very serious. They kept saying serious, serious. I'm like, this is one of the funniest things. I have to disagree guys. This is like, if you saw this in a movie, it's so bad shit crazy. You'd be howling. It's just insane. <laughs> The cast of characters alone, I will get into that with you. I wrote down some of the, the cast of characters from this particular uh, Stormy Daniels uh, episode. But let's get, that gets into the how Democrats handle it. Because MSNBC is trying to be like the way you're supposed to handle it. Not like you and me giggling like schoolboys. But this is the way you handle a serious constitutional crisis like this. This is how it's a very somber moment for our entire country. Do you think anybody buys that act in America today? I mean, I don't, it's like Donald Trump stripped the possibility of being somber about the presidency away from, away from it. You know, you cannot have lived through four years of this man occupying that office and, and not have like a certain sort of degraded view of it, you know, um, because he, he, he debased the office of the presidency. He disgraced himself. He disgraced the country on a daily basis. Um, and so for everyone to be like, what a solemn moment this is. It's like, it's not, it really isn't that solemn. I mean, he's being indicted for paying off a porn star that he slept with like three months after his wife gave birth. That's not solemn. You know, it's sad, but it's not solemn, you know? And, and for Democrats, you can tell <laughs> Democrats, the best analogy I can make for this Okay, say you're in love with someone, right? Um, and they're there with somebody else, you know, and you wait for them, and you wait for them, and you wait for them. Uh, and then you move on, and, and you get married, right? And then 
And then that person finally comes to you and is like, I changed my mind. Um, Democrats have moved on and, and like really, I think really wanted him to get indicted for January 6th stuff. <laughs> and they were like, wait, he's getting indicted for like, I have to go on MSNBC and talk about and Stormy Daniels. This is what, this is what we're going with. Okay. You know, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> but I was really hoping for January 6th, you know? Um, so That's I think coming. That a, it's coming. I must just be patient. You know, like it doesn't have to happen in the order that you want it to happen in. There's like three different investigations of this guy happening. Like, I think he's going to get indicted in Georgia for trying to, to rig the election there after 2020. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're taking their sweet time, but I think that the special counsel is eventually going to indict him for, um, uh, for his actions following the 2020 election and, and prior to and during the January 6th insurrection. These things are coming, right? Um, it just so happens that like we don't have a centralized DA apparatus in the country. Like no one was like orchestrating the strings with Alvin Bragg and being like, could you wait? <laughs> you know, um, he's, he's bringing him to justice, right? It's not what people I think wanted him to go to to go to jail for or to face uh, to face justice for ultimately. But we also don't actually know what these indictments are for. Um, and so we know what they were investigating, but we don't know what they found. And so it, it could be the, the, the payment, you know, mischaracterized um, as a legal expense when it should have been filed as a campaign expense. It could also be whatever they found rifling through the Trump organization's portfolio. Um, it could be something that Trump did to cover this up. Um, like there could be a, there could actually be like a worse crime here than like, um, misrepresenting a, a campaign expense to pay off your porn star mistress. Um, so, uh, we, so we don't know, right? Like, uh, I'm open to the possibility that there's this, this could feel bigger than it feels right now. Um, to me, the, the, it, the, the substance of the indictment is less important than the fact that someone has indicted the former president. Um, and to me, that means like that the era that I think began with Nixon of, of total presidential impunity is over you know, because we, we just, we kept letting these guys skate, right? Like Ford pardoned Nixon, um, you know, Reagan pretended he had dementia so they didn't have to pay for Iran Contra, which was violated like 15 different laws. Um, you know, George W. Bush committed war crimes or like tort, you know, authorized torture, um, against U.S. law, right? Like the Geneva Conventions have the force of U.S. law. And Obama was like, yeah, you know, I got more, I got other things to deal with. Um, and, and it's like, you can, you can understand each of those decisions on an individual level, right? Like I, I understand like taking office during the Great Recession, you're the, you're the first black president. Um, it's a, it's a momentous time in history. You don't necessarily want to go after the Bush administration officials or, or even Bush himself who authorized um, this campaign of torture during the war on terror. But the cumulative effect of all these things has been to convince presidents that they are in fact above the law, you know? Um, and that's, that's a cliche phrase, it's overused phrase, but the reality is that Donald Trump really does think he's above the law. Um, and he behaved in, in, in office as if he felt he was above the law and he had a rich and, and storied history to draw from for why he, he's above the law, because he was above the law before he became president. He used his wealth and his connections uh, to wiggle out of all kinds of different legal jams during his life. Um, he was like living, breathing proof that wealth buys you more or less total immunity um, from, from paying for your crimes or for, for 
taking, even just taking responsibility for the things that you've done. Um, and so the fact that we, that someone somewhere, right, like, uh, was willing to stake their political career and frankly, their physical safety, um, on, on the principle that even a former president should have to answer for, for the crimes that they commit. It's, I think it's actually an, an important moment for the United States. Um, because there's all this talk about this is banana republic stuff. And it's like, actually, tr Trump is the banana, like tr Trump is the banana republic here, right? Like Trump is the person who turned the presidency into a circus. Um, and, and what you're seeing right now with multiple investigations moving towards completion, I think is a reassertion of the rule of law over, uh, just corruption and cronyism and nepotism and, um, that was great. It happened on opening day in baseball. I was like, double whammy. What a, what a <laughs> great I, 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 that was a great riff. Uh, and uh, I would add to the list uh, Bill Clinton committing perjury. Yeah, that one too, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we can't forget that. Uh, so it's just a pretty remarkable string. Um, and there's, you know, evasive behavior by politicians, there's ducking and dodging. Uh, on when you're when they asked a direct question, there's uh, breaking promises, uh, which has become standard fare. You just have to kind of deal with that. Uh, it's part of the game. But I mean, every single crime that you uh, you itemized, I would say Bushes are the absolute worst. Um, although an argument can be made for. Uh, Iran Contra because that left to, that led to so much death in like Iran, Iraq, the Central America. I mean, you just name it. And we've I've lived through this. You've lived through it, all of this stuff. We as Americans have lived through this. We put up with it. We tolerate it. We, we feel helpless because there's very little any of us can do. Um, I remember when the bombing began uh, in uh, Iraq back in 2003 and just feeling utterly helpless. Uh, but at some point, like if the crime is just so blatant a crime uh, in like American justice, I mean, thinking about a war crime and a war that's waged for phony or reasons is one thing. It's like beyond us. But thinking about like, lying about how you're spending your legal fees is something that ordinary Americans must confront who commit that crime all the time. You know, it's, I, I read somewhere that the prosecuting lawyer in uh, New York prosecutes dozens of cases like this all the time. You know, this is just like a basic crime in America. And to hear Republicans say, this is not a crime. He should not be prosecuted. It's a sign of our uh, politicization of our law enforcement system is, I think, too much for most Americans to take. Do you understand? Lying to wage war and kill thousands, Americans like, well, we'll just walk on from that. You know, uh, <laughs> right. it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, when the Mueller report came out um, and it was like, you know, 400 pages of a, of a you know, documented obstruction of justice. Um, and, and Republicans were like, those are just process crimes. You know, that was the phrase they used. This is a process crime, which is not, it doesn't have, a, it's not a term with any meaning, right? It's like process, all crimes are process crimes. 
you know, like the process of like murdering someone with a knife, you know, it's like, there's a process, you take the knife out, you kill them. Um, and, and obstruction of justice is a, it's a real crime that Donald Trump committed like 5,000 times when he was in office. Um, and this is also a, like, if you, if you lied, that you broke a, a, a campaign statute, a criminal campaign statute to win the office of the presidency, you committed a crime, you know? Um, and, uh, imagine this, imagine that in, um, uh, October of 2020, um, Joe Biden <laughs> had one of his bag men. I, lo- I love this. I love the different ways that Michael Cohen is referred to, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some, they call him, it's like, um, Trump consigliere, Trump bag man, Trump. I'm like, he's just a lawyer, right? Isn't he just a lawyer? Am I wrong? Um, he was a lawyer. Michael, I'm not sure if he still is. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he was disbarred. Yeah, no, he's done lawyering. Um, he, he really reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you watched the HBO show Succession, uh, but there's a, there's a lieutenant in the, in the main family there called, called Tom Wanskans, um, who's just a, you know, a sad little hollowed out shell of a human. Um, and that's Michael Cohen. You know, it's like do anything for, for the dear leader. Um, so anyway, imagine that Joe Biden, um, had, had buried, had like paid off the reporter who found Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay. Um, arranged, uh, you know, had one of his like, um, children or their spouses set up a shell company, um, to pay off the, to pay off the reporter who, who broke the story or who was about to break the story. And like uh, the New York post reporter, um, accepts $150,000 from Biden. Um, and Biden writes it off as a, as a legal expense, um, on the eve of the campaign in, in blatant violation of, of campaign finance law. And I'm, I'm not, Ben, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I understand campaign finance law. Okay. I just know it exists and there's people that understand it. Um, but is there any world in which Republicans would be like, Oh, that's ridiculous. And that's not really a crime. That's just a process crime. You know, <laughs> like this is banana Republic stuff. It's like, no, man, you committed the crime. You know, um, it's not, the, it's, I frankly, it doesn't probably crack the, the, the top 150 worst things that Donald Trump has ever done, um, in his life, but it was still a crime. Um, and I'm old enough to remember when Republicans were, um, beating the drum for George W. Bush under the, under the guise of restoring integrity to the office of the president. And this, they're like, Oh, Bill Clinton sullied the office, you know, he wore shorts on the white house lawn. And, um, and it's like, you know, he did sully the office in some ways. <laughs> it's, not a good, it's not a good person. Um, but to, uh, to go from believing that the person who occupies the oval office has to, to be virtuous um, and to set an example of virtue for, for the rest of the country and then to back a man like Donald Trump and, and refuse to distance yourself from him, no matter how many things are revealed about him, um, just, just reveals a fundamental hypocrisy and sort of lack of self-awareness and understanding that I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. You know, and the, the person who really did, wherever else you might think of him, operate with pretty much the utmost integrity for all eight years was Obama, right? Like, but almost entirely scandal free, this guy. Um, and you know, was he the greatest progressive in world history? No. Was he a good person? Yeah. You know, (laughs) so, but that counted for nothing, right? With this, with this crew, they don't care anymore. Yeah, no, it's willful hypocrisy. It's beyond hypocrisy. It's just willful hypocrisy. And there was a book called book of virtues, which was written by William Bennett. It was big, 
piece of garbage in the world uh, who is just explaining to people this. And he had even like a book of virtues for children with fables in it and stuff like what you could teach your children about telling the truth and being faithful and like everything that Donald Trump violates on a daily basis uh, is the opposite. You know what I mean? Of what's in the book of virtues and William Bennett is a still uh, is a Republican and Trump supporter. And wow, it's like, have you no shame? Uh, All right, well, let's get into the Republican predicament and let's just think raw politics. Uh, we began the conversation talking about how the elite in the Republican Party came to the conclusion after November's election that they had to distance themselves from Donald Trump. But here we are. They're tied to him now. They're wedded to him now as much as ever. As they rise to his defense, they feel compelled to defend him. Now, I could make the argument that what the Republican Party needs the most is somebody, anybody who's willing to stand up and go, we got to cut the cord with this clown. He's disgusting. And uh, we don't want anything to do with him. And let the chips fall where they may in all these investigations into him. He does not represent us. I just think that's obviously what they need. Uh, they There is nobody doing that at the moment. So what, what do you think the... Where are we heading with this? The Republican predicament regarding Donald Trump. Well, this is a nightmare scenario for them, right? I mean, there's you've got the the, the usual columnists going out there and being like, Alvin Bragg just reelected Trump. You know, like they want to they want to front for everyone that this is actually good for Republicans and good for Trump because uh, because somehow this is going to turn off the general public. And the reality is that, that that that's just wrong. You know what I mean? Like the spectacle of someone under an indictment multiple indictments maybe going through a trial while they're running for president um having all their sort of dirty financial and personal baggage aired before the world you know is it going to cost them as core supporters no um are there going to be a lot of independents who who look at this and you know independent leaners who look at this this fiasco and say like frankly i'd rather not yeah um they they know that they know he's the weakest general election candidate in the field does that mean he can't win no he could win (laughs) I mean, he came very close to winning in 2020, ultimately, because of the system, not because he really was that close, um, but thanks to the Electoral College. Um, so it's it's not inconceivable that he could win. Um, but I think if if you're a Republican on, uh, like, if you're a strategist on, in the Republican Party and you're being honest with yourself, you you know that this is not a good development for your party, right? Like, um, you were hoping either there'd be no indictments and and Trump could run without the cloud of of this of this legal threat to him um or you were probably just hoping that he would just not run you know that he would just go back to his golf course and uh entertain you know rich doofuses on his golf course with his stories of being president which frankly seems like a a way more fun way to spend your late 70s and early 80s than than this but i'm i'm not a like a relentless narcissist who's driven by the constant need for affirmation because I have a hollow soul and I was never loved. Um, so, um, that's Donald Trump. I don't understand him. But the, but this is a real predicament for them. The, 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 what's I think the dynamic um, reminds me of just allow me another drawn out analogy here. Um, it's like during so we talk about the Bush years, right? Like during the during the Iraq War, um, I went over to the Middle East, you know, to to do some research. And I, I remember before I left, I was you know I was you know, we were marching against the Iraq War, and I was. Just, just disgusted by this guy, um, and ashamed, and I could just couldn't believe what was happening. Um, and I went overseas, <laughs> um, 
And after like a month of people being so, so negative constantly about the United States, I got defensive about it, you know? And I was like, and I was like, I didn't vote for him. America's not that, like, it's not that bad. And just, just give, give it a rest for a second. And so I think what's happening with the Republican primary voters is they're like, yeah, yeah, like, like I'd prefer to move on, but they're being so mean to Trump, you know, and it, and it's like driving them back to him somehow, or at least some significant share of them back to him. Um, and I, I think that the, I think the elites and the strategists would be much less panicked if DeSantis had a lead over Trump or if anybody had a lead over Trump in a, in a head-to-head matchup. Um, because at this point, you know, we're, we're a couple of months from the debates. I mean, this, this thing is happening. The train is leaving the station and all they have right now is, is like Nikki Haley and, and this, this weirdo Ramaswani, or I don't even know this person. He's, it's like some, some weirdo, some like Silicon Valley weirdo, I think is running for president. Um, and uh, that's it. That's all they have announced because, and I think at this point, there's a real, there has to be a real reason that DeSantis has not made an announcement. And that real reason is either something they've dug up something in DeSantis's past that they don't like. Maybe the Guantanamo rumors are true. I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I don't know what you could find in a Republican's past that, that would make people say like, say, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> This, you know, they're elevating just complete fabulists into, co- into Congress. Um, it, it's, if you want to a laugh, you and your audience want to laugh, and you're even, I've ever watched a baseball game. Uh, George Santos put out a little short 12 second video yesterday, um, you know, trying to get to tell the Mets how much he loves the Mets. Yeah. Um, and it was clear that he had no idea what he was talking about. Like he sang Let's Go Mets as a song. You know, he's like, let's go Mets. And it's like, that's not what it is, man. You have to watch a baseball game and don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> so it's the party of Santos, right? I don't know what they could yeah. find in the test that would disqualify him. But um, I think there's something going on there where he, you know, he's, he's, he's holding back. Maybe he's thinking, let's let Trump lose in 24 and I can, I can make a go for it in 28. I'm, I'm young. He's in his early, mid forties. Um, but DeSantis, I don't see another serious challenger to Trump. Right. Like the Republican Party has given so much airtime and so much obeisance to DeSantis in the last six months, hoping that he's the heir apparent and that Trump would go away or that DeSantis could actually beat Trump head to head. And now they're seeing these polls that are like, well, that's not going to happen. Right. Like if Trump win, if Trump runs, he's probably people probably win the nomination. Um, and, and you can see complications that that might change that calculus, depending on how fast these investigations move. Um, but fundamentally from the, from the vantage point of today, they hung their hat on DeSantis. The elites hung their hat on DeSantis. I mean, to go through like right wing media from like November to, to March, um, the past six months, it's just full of like, you know, um, love for Ron DeSantis. And, um, you know, he's just a serious policymaker, you know, look, look what happened in Florida. Florida's boom town. You know, everybody wants to live in Florida. Florida's the best. And then he really keeps on through the headlines and it's like, no one will insure Florida homeowners because the whole place is a mess. But um, <laughs> they don't know what to do because they don't have a, they don't have an answer beyond DeSantis. Because at this point, it's a little bit late to elevate someone into a national figure, right? Like it's, it's Trump, it's DeSantis, maybe it's Pence, you know, but Pence still can't bring himself to denounce these things either. Pence is like, this is a politically motivated operation. And it's like, Mikey, baby, if you want to be president, which is never going to happen, you have to like, you have to make a stand somewhere with Donald Trump. 
Like if you're not willing to say like what Trump did here was wrong. Um, it was a crime. Um, he tried to murder me. (laughs) Remember he tried to murder you, Mike. Um, if you're not willing to draw that contrast, I don't see what contrast he could possibly draw on a debate stage to get people to vote for him over Trump. It's just ridiculous. I, um, yeah, no, they're in a pickle. I'll add one more thing to it. Uh, and we are concentrating on Trump, uh, and the problem he, uh, poses for Republican party. We've forgotten an issue we talked about a lot in 2022 and that's abortion rights. Uh, on Tuesday, April 4th, Wisconsin will uh, have an election for uh, Supreme Court, uh, and the winner of that uh, that re- uh, election, either the um, the MAGA candidate or the Democrat, uh, will have a huge say in determining whether abortion is legal in the state of Wisconsin, uh, or will they outlaw it uh, in the state of Wisconsin like MAGA wants. Um, there is a ruling we're waiting for having to do with the abortion pill coming out of t- Texas, uh, in a uh, lawsuit that is not directly related to Wisconsin, I've been waiting for that um, decision from the judge to come down for about three weeks now, I want to say, two weeks. And I'm starting to come to the conclusion, it was put in my brain by a, a good friend of this show, Terry Cosgrove, uh, that that judge is not going to make that ruling until after Wisconsin. Because it's a MAGA judge, so... Most likely, he will uh, rule for an injunction that would prohibit uh, women from getting the abortion pill while the matter is adjudicated. That would have a huge impact, politically speaking, just like the uh, overturning of Roe did last year. So that's another situation. So not other Republicans, the party that are wedded um, to this mafioso-like character in Donald Trump, they are also are against the tide on abortion rights. Yeah. And not, not just abortion rights, Ben. I mean, and I think this is actually part of DeSantis' problem, um, is that he has staked out the most right-wing culture war positions that are not actually popular with the general public. You know, um, for all the talk about woke and wokeism and, you know, woke media and woke mafia and woke corporations and woke capitalism, the woke military, woke, 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 go to the front page of real clear politics, like 15 woke articles every day. Um, and they did, they did a poll and they were like, what does woke mean to you? Does it mean like, you know, uh, political correctness and censorship, or does it mean just like being nice to people? And like, you know, 60% were like, it just means like being nice to people, you know, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't, it's a word that doesn't have negative connotations to the general public. And so here, like once again, you have Republicans like just deeply on the wrong side of a bunch of important public issues. Um, so it's, it's not, and it's not just that the, there's this new abortion pill problem heading their way. They still have the row problem, right? Like there's by 2024, there's, there's two more years of, uh, of, of, um, women who, who can't get abortions, who have complications of pregnancy, who get hurt, who die. Um, we're going to have reams of data to confirm what everybody already knows going into this which is that when you ban abortion, um, the people who suffer are women, right? Um, you don't reduce the number of abortions, you reduce the number of, of living people um, who are trying to seek them. Um, and, uh, and and that's not a problem that's going away from them either. And in some ways, Trump is, I guess, a better messenger on abortion than DeSantis is. 
because if DeSantis has agreed to sign one of these six-week bans, and, and Trump has just walked this weird line the whole time where he won't really take a position one way or the other. Um, like he says he's pro-life, but like, I, you know, these guys probably paid for like 7,000 abortions in his life. So um, it's just, it, nobody believes him. So if he got um, Stormy Daniels pregnant, does, is there anyone in America who does not believe he would have had demanded that she get an abortion? You know what I'm saying? It's just his position on abortion is so absurd. Again, he, his brand is that of uh, the ladies man. So pretty good chance, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, it's just, uh, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be a Republican strategist trying to win in 2024 right now. Um, I think you're pretty much hanging your hat on like Biden being Biden and Bidening his way into a loss somehow, you know? And, uh, I, I just, I don't see that happening. I mean, Biden was pretty un- incoherent in 2020. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, That's why I think his appeal. Oh, he's, I, he's not at the who top. Who knows? Yeah, and his game I wasn't mean, super toppy to begin with. Yeah. So. I, I saw Biden today. We'll close with this. Uh, he was walking out of the White House and the reporters were, what's your thoughts on Trump's indictment? I don't know if you saw this footage. And, no, I uh, this, no. Oh, he's kind of got this baffled look on his face. Like he, he didn't hear the question. And then it, 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 it he, he comprehends the question. <laughs> You could see, huh? Oh, uh, no comment. No, you know, uh, like, wow, this guy, you know, if it was the roles reversed and it would, the Trump's opponent was on the ropes, you know, oh my God, we have a nickname for the guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, I, Biden, uh, you could just, I mean, you see, it's like his brain working. Like, should I say something? Do I have something witty to say? <laughs> ah, nah, I'm not going to say anything. It's, you so, know, as, as my dad always said, uh, Joey, <laughs> if you're going to have somebody sign an NDA, make it airtight. You know what I mean? There it is. Oh, so. Lord. All right. Uh, oh, so man. I'll close with my uh, ask you for your favorite character in the Donald Trump uh, scandal. Uh, and here are your choice, your choices. You got Donald Trump. You got Stormy Daniels. You got Michael Cohen. You got Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis. This guy's a pretty interesting piece of work. Uh uh, and but I'm going to go with a long one of character who's forgotten, Michael Avanti, who was Stormy Daniels' original lawyer. This guy, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, he, I think he's in jail right now. Uh, he he yes. was he, yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm like seriously, man. It's hard. Are those MSNBC talking heads, David, with their straight faces. I don't know how you cannot laugh. Michael Avanti, how can we forget him? He was. I what, <laughs> remember there was talk that he was going to run for president. You know, I think I may have been one of the guys going, "Yeah, run, Michael." Run. <laughs> I tell you, oh, I mean, Lord. the Trump era has just been like grifter prisoners. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like anyone who's just a shady <laughs> operator, but kind of handsome or something, it's just like this is this is your time. You know, this is yeah. your time to shine. This is your moment. Wasn't it Avenatti? Am I remembering this wrong? Or uh, Michael Avenatti, right? And he he had, um, I don't don't even remember what he did, but so many people, why so many people go to jail who are even peripherally involved with Donald Trump? It's just like, you know, Rick Wilson, the guy that wrote uh, wrote a book called Everything Trump Touches Dies. Um, (laughs) 
pretty much where I have this. But I'll go with Cohen. Cohen is a fascinating character. And uh, I I can't wait to to read his memoir of his time as Trump's bag man. Well, he has a memoir. You missed it. You can still get it. It came out. He wrote... Michael Cohen, oh God, I know way too much about all this stuff. Michael Cohen uh, went to prison and uh, for Trump, the same crime that uh, Trump, that Republicans don't think Trump should be prosecuted for. Uh, and uh, while in prison, he made it clear he's going to write his memoirs. Uh, and there was a move by the, um, the Bureau of Prisoners to keep him from doing so. Uh, and he resisted it, and he and he wrote the memoirs, and I think they threw him back in prison uh, for for violating the law. I mean, God, this hey Republicans, how do you defend this one? Huh? Uh, he said, "The hell with you." He wrote it anyway, it became a media bestseller, and I'm sure he made some good money off to pay off his lawyers. Uh, so yeah, Cohen is a fascinating, fascinating character in his own right. But I'm going. Well, for we, uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> We haven't heard. We have certainly haven't heard the last from that guy. That's for sure. Given given this week, Cohen. Book. Oh yeah, you know he, he's got a second book coming out. Guarantee yeah. he's got a second book. <laughs> All right, David Ferris, thank you so much for taking a break on paternity leave. I really I reached out to you immediately. I go look. I know the Ben Jarowski show has very generous paternity benefits. Uh, we've doubled your salary uh, during this time. <laughs> You're what we call a first choice employer, Ben. So. <laughs> I'm so easy on all these employees of mine. <laughs> Way too easy. Uh, and you have the world's most beautiful baby. Thanks, uh, So congratulations to you and your wife and much blessings to you. And good luck trying to explain to your children uh, Donald Trump as they get old. They're going to be like, okay, Grandpa, sure thing. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think I was planning to come back in two weeks anyway, right? So I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, so we'll see you in two weeks. All right, we got you Perfect. just a little bit early. We're going to get you back in the rotation, and in a couple of weeks, you can give us your thoughts on Chicago's mayoral election. God help us all. Oh, man. Okay, I hope we're discussing good news next in two weeks. Yes. We'll see. All right, very good. That's David Ferris. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 